This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. In the wet, soaked wet, piney woods of north-central Florida, by golly. We are really getting pounded. It's passed for now, and it's headed to Jacksonville. We'll talk more about that. We are, of course, um, still here, and we haven't floated away. We're in the Melden Law Studio, which is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And, of course, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, locally owned, John Pastore, Randy Elrad, great people. And sponsored by all the great sponsors, Allstate Insurance, Julie Lucasio, our latest addition, wonderful person, been a long time, member of the community, homegrown, if you will. And we've got R&R Construction, on-the-spot cleaners, style cuts. Um, if you're interested in being a sponsor to the Ward Scott Files, we will darn sure welcome you. And let me know, and I'll send you the rates. They're very modest, really. Uh, you can get a lot of exposure for basically a big bang for your buck. And we appreciate, of course, those of you who donate to the show that keep us doing most a lot of our investigative work, which uh, is really making a difference. We think, and perhaps you think as well. Uh, honored that we got John Magnuson watching today, a longtime buddy of mine, Hall of Fame umpire. Um, and I've been thinking about you, John, because I've been watching these World Series. I am really hooked on it. And um, I think they've been a very exciting baseball games. If you haven't caught these uh, World Series college athletes at action, um, parody. Boy, I'm telling you, they're all evenly matched. And it comes down to just a um, difference here or difference there. Sometimes it's a joggle. It's a, it's as little as a, a kind of a joggle toss to first from deep in the shortstop. Or as in yesterday, the sun blinding the left fielder uh, to where he couldn't see the ball. It made a big difference. So uh, the pitching is outstanding. Uh, the umpiring is really something I've been watching, having been a chair umpire myself and having to handle these young men uh, who are very competitive and filled, as you know, with testosterone and the will to win and all that. You really have to get ahead of them and let them know who the boss is, who the alpha dog is on that uh, playing field or court, whatever it is. And these umpires have been quick to try to uh, defuse any kind of taunting that's going on. Uh, they'll get you right away for that, and that can be costly. Any little mistake in the World Series games here makes a big difference. And then mostly in the balance right down to the end. Um, so I'm really uh, uh, thankful that we have got this uh, going on here uh, for you to watch. And we got the University of Florida, who could be a Cinderella team for crying out loud. By the way, I've got the uh, radar going here. And should we experience an internet net failure or 
a um, power failure, of course, we will go on backup generator, but it will take a while to blog back up. So if we come to that, we're pretty sure that uh, you'll understand what's going on and uh, bear with us. Uh, so it's a, uh, yeah, uh, Julia Sharehouse Gates, that's a good rainy day to watch movies. Um, it's going to be a rainy day. I mean, pretty much a rainy week. I did not do the naked rain dance. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, I'm not taking the blame for this, um, but it's there and it's uh, going to be with us for quite a while here. So we're talking locally here right now. The effects of this storm, I want to let you know that we can, the latest word we got <clears throat> is that there is a chemical spell sp- spill on the north lane uh, uh, north lane of the interstate is shut down. There's a chemical spill uh, just north of Northwest 39th Avenue. And the word we're getting is it's shut down for 12 hours. So plan accordingly if you're going north on the interstate or even in the roads that the interstate north traffic will be dumped onto. 241 will be one of them. Um, 441 will be another. Uh, they'll have to go around and come back up here to the city of Alachua exit ramp and get on there. So this is just one of the things that happens <clears throat> in this weather. And uh, can't see the details of it, but we're getting uh, tips from people who are letting us know. If you know anything about this more particularly or can keep it uh, on, uh, on schedule here as to the updates, put them in the chat line. We'll see them and uh, pass them along. The um, the weather is going to be an influencer, as we say, uh, pretty much throughout the day and the week, as I understand it. Uh, just a couple of other announcements that our local city of Alachua is resuming its fireworks. You know, they were off there for a while for COVID. A magnificent fireworks display coming up. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that out at Legacy Park, uh, Halbreg Field. Um, this is... Uh, really an all-day event that's always been a real crowd pleaser in the past. So that is some news that is coming your way. Uh, The other news that's coming your way is um, the discussion about Ironwood. Uh, You know, it's it's, uh, one of these things that's going to be on the table because it doesn't make money. It's very difficult for clubs to make money, tennis clubs or golf clubs or Somehow, some way, they exist for their contribution to the community. Um, you know, I'm always reminded of a funny story. <clears throat> it's funny and it isn't funny. You know, a good friend of mine was the tennis director of the city of Gainesville. And as I say, once upon a time, I was very involved in tennis. And we had a citywide tennis tournament. And we we're going to use every available court uh, in the city of Gainesville, and there are some spread around. And at the McPherson Center, um, there are tennis courts. And so we assigned some of the matches to the McPherson Center, and some of us went over there to make sure that those matches proceeded in an orderly uh, fashion, following the rules and all. And lo and behold, these really nice tennis courts at the McPherson Center, which is in East Gainesville, had no nets. You hear me? Had no nets, no tennis nets 
on the courts. We were told by the locals that people in the neighborhood had come along and taken them to go fishing with. Huh? That's one of the stories I'll always remember about city-owned facilities. Now, people can't take ironwood and go fishing with it. But it has been the subject of a lot of controversy or it's in the path of a landing zone, if you will, of the of the airport. Once upon a time, I think the right Reverend Rodney Commissioner DeLong or, or Long, Rodney Commissioner Long, was in cahoots with somebody on the plan East Gainesville fiasco to put high rise something or other there, and of course that was nixed because it was in the flight path of the airport of the Aeroporto. Meadowbrook was a place where people played golf out here on 39th, but it kept flooding, and particularly in weather like this today. And it became prohibitively expensive for the private ownership of that, I think it was a nine-hole course, uh, when the county wouldn't help out with the flooding issues at the bottom of the 39th Avenue Hill. So that went kaput. It's really one of the most unsightly pieces of land right now that many people have to drive by every day because there's no golf there. The country club. What a tale of woe. Here we have a place that was the grand dom of Gainesville, the Gainesville Golf and Country Club. Shut down. In debt, I'm told the people who own the debt who would have to be paid off first are those who kept the grounds, those who landscaped the golf course. It's kaput. That building and even the tennis courts, which are not the best in the world, for a couple of reasons. Um, They're too close. They don't have any fence separating them. And they're right on the edge of the swamp, the prairie. So you're always getting bugs at night with the lights on. But nevertheless, you could play there. I played there many a time. It's got an Olympic pool. Shut down. So you've got no access. West End. Shut down. Became controversial because of growth and the reluctance to pile anything else on West Newbury Road, which is coming anyway. It's going to be one city from Jonesville to Newbury. What does that leave? I'm thinking, I'm rummaging through my mind now. You don't have the driving range. You don't have the country club. Um... You don't have West End. I mean, you don't have Meadowbrook. You've got Hawkstone, an interesting place because it's really hail plantation, but it knuckled under. Oh, yes, knuckled under to the race baiters who didn't like the word plantation. And why is it Hawkstone Country Club 
and not Hawkstone housing or whatever. Because to eliminate the word plantation from Hale Plantation would have meant changing every deed in that area. That ain't going to happen. So it's Hawkstone Country Club. It's Hale Plantation if you can't find it. That's about the only place I know. I'm not a golfer, so if there's somebody else out there who knows something else, let me know. Or in this county, one can go to play golf, but you have to belong to that club, as I understand it. So now comes the discussion about what to do with Ironwood. Now, let me make an assumption here that is based on the fact that I used to be part owner of a tennis club. And I found out right away that you better have a deep pocket on the side because it's not going to make money from membership. That's the case with Ironwood. <clears throat> I would advise those people who are debating this, don't think that you're going to raise fees or anything like that enough to make a dent in the cost of running Ironwood. That's not going to make a significant difference. So you're going to have to subsidize it. You're going to have to also plan a lot of events there. And tap into community. It's got a nice conference room. Last time I was there. But management's not going to be able to. I don't care who the manager is. And I know the managers. Good guys. We got a big tea storm warning here in effect here. So hang on. Um, the management's not going to be able to squeeze the buffalo anymore. But she used to be on the nickel, you know. And don't blame DeSantis. We're going to get into DeSantis a little bit right now because Newsom taking pot shots at him. And I want to compare those two governors, which you've already probably been doing. So the debate about Ironwood Country Club or Golf Club, I think it's the only show in town. And since it's the only show in town, I think you're going to have to keep it. And if you're going to have to keep it, something else is going to have to go if you're really thinking about community activities. And this is one of the ones. Now, you can have out-of-town people. This becomes a thorny issue. Club membership. Very difficult to control. Very difficult, from my experience. You've got to make sure that if you're going to subsidize Ironwood for the city of Gainesville residents who are subsidizing the cost, but they're not all golfers, you remember. A lot of them are not golfers. Then the golfers who come there who are not city residents, you're going to have to have a discussion about what they pay. Otherwise, they're sort of riding for free. 
And if you want to get the county involved, which I would recommend the city of Gainesville do, you might be able to deal with that a little more easily. But those are really my two cents about the budget as it pertains to golf. And the only reason my two cents are even worth listening to is I have been an owner of a tennis club, part owner, not the whole owner, but I was very much involved with the books and the dollar and all that and how much uh, we could provide and what it costs to maintain. And the other thing about Ironwood is it's over on the low side of the county. The Ironwood, as I understand it, is different soil. It's kind of sandy soil. It's not like the soil at the Gainesville Golf and Country Club. So good luck to the city mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts. Uh, Jody Davis watching, I think he's got a good uh, mind for numbers. Uh, I don't think you can crunch them. Summary here, I don't think you can crunch the numbers and make uh, the Ironwood uh, golf facility work financially without subsidizing it. And um, I would suggest that since you have no other show in town, uh, that you probably are going to have to wind up keeping it. Now, the other the raging enthusiastic sport that's growing is, of course, pickleball. And you know, it's a, it's time that it was it was enjoyed. When I came to Gainesville, it was all handball, and it was literally handball. There was no racket in your hand. Uh, there was a gloved hand. Some guys played with no glove, and you know, it was very athletic and very demanding. Four wall, three wall, and University Avenue was lined with handball courts. That's passe now. As far as I know, there's only one racquetball court in town, maybe two, but only one, and not that many racquetball players. Um, pickleball seems to be a sport that older people can enjoy and get into and compete and this and that one and another and get some exercise. And so many of what were Handball courts, particularly I'm thinking of Northeast 16th Avenue, are now pickleball courts, and I think that's a good move. Uh, You're encouraging people to exercise. It's a manageable sport. It doesn't take a lot of upkeep, and you can create quite a community service. So in terms of athletics and the bang for the buck, if you will, in the city budget, I would say go pickleball and probably keep Ironwood because you don't have any better choice. Um, I am mindful, though, of the of the uh, nets missing at McPherson Center in East Gainesville when we went there to assign some of the tournament matches there and found that the locals had gone fishing with the nets. I don't I, – I, I, that's one of those um, stories that you can't imagine. Uh, that was beyond my imagination. I'd never, <laughs> I'd never known anybody to think that way. Uh, but this is my point: is uh, you can um, 
misappropriate funds and um, spend money where it's not going to be used the way you think it's going to be used. But I don't think that's the case with the Ironwood Golf Course. Um, I got some state news here for you uh, that is obviously weird uh, because it has to do with this uh, gender affirmation deal. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever get this out of our system. It's I was speaking with some people about this uh, last couple of days. I've been around the arts all my life. The arts are filled. I won't say filled, but the, art, the arts have, by definition, being the arts, they have <clears throat> homosexuals and <clears throat> I don't know, all the varieties, lesbians, you name it. Because they're artists. I mean, it doesn't matter. They didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't go wearing a shirt, advocating it. They just did their work. Um, But now we've got, I don't quite understand how this has happened. This has been picked up as some kind of Assault on human dignity or something like that. Are you kidding? This has been around forever. Just do your work. That's what matters. But the American Civil Liberties Union posted Friday on social media that a serial rapist and murderer did not receive a gender-affirming surgery, gender-affirming surgery prior to his execution. All this was on behalf of one guy named Dwayne Owen, who claimed he was the victim of enormous suffering Prior to his execution, he was in prison for over 30 years for crimes he committed in 1984, when he allegedly, allegedly stabbed and then raped 14-year-old Karen Slattery and bludgeoned her 38-year-old mother, Georgiana Worden, with a hammer, and then repeatedly raped her. both women were reportedly dead when Owen violated the corpses. But the ACLU says, I mean, this should be on odds and ends on Friday, really. The state of Florida never provided medically necessary gender-affirming care. Uh, That's a brand new phrase I've never heard before to Dwayne Owen, causing her enormous suffering and violating her right to be free from cruel and unusual punishment for the more than 30 years she was in state custody. Hello. Owen said that she had not been accorded the essence of human dignity 
was not allowed to become who she was meant to be before her execution. So the ACLU, what you know, what a weird set of logic this is, but I'll pass it along to you. This is a class, you know. <clears throat> the ACLU picked this up and said the time to end the racist, unfair, and cruel death penalty is now. So they used it to springboard into the, uh, an attack on the death penalty, which DeSantis is for. And most people are for in these kind of situations. So I don't know what to make of that. It's like the tennis nets being gone from the tennis facility. It's beyond kind of your imagination. Um, but evidently, a lot of people are onto this. I guess you'd call it a scam. How many rapists who abuse women suddenly discover they're a woman? You're going to have to take a sip of coffee on that. They suddenly discover they're a woman. This guy, when he made this discovery, wanted to be housed in a women's prison. What? Well, DeSantis wasn't about to let that happen. And the U.S. Supreme Court had to hear this and denied Owen's final appeal Wednesday. He was executed Thursday evening she or he, by lethal injection. Huh? Go figure. Go figure. Well, there's a lot going on in preparation. For DeSantis emerging, if Trump really can't compete. And apparently the battle plan is to pit DeSantis against Newsom. The governors are two big states, both young, that kind of thing. And Newsom, I guess, in a, in a, in a preparation, claimed the idea of an exodus from California on the Hannity show last week was a myth. But the data says differently. Between, according to Washington Examiner, uh, between April 2020 and July 2022, California's population decreased by more than 500,000 people. And when you consider net domestic migration, 700,000 more people moved out of California and moved in during that period. Additionally, in 2022, California had the worst raw domestic net migration numbers of any state, losing almost 350,000 people. Now, you can't run these numbers by Democrats because they don't listen. But this is the data. The Manhattan Institute is the one who did these numbers. 
And looking at the graphs depicting California's population over time versus a state like Florida, California has been approaching a plateau, slowing growth, a concave curve. Florida population consistently going up with a curve that is convex. And of course, Newsom ignores those studies. He tries to find ones that paint a different picture. But there are too many people independently of these two governors who are keeping track of this. Um, California, the bottom line, has been losing residents for a long time. Even the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce has found that businesses are increasingly leaving, and we know it's San Francisco will soon be a ghost town because of the businesses that are pulling out of downtown. So Newsom is fudging with the numbers as he prepares to take on DeSantis if necessary. On the other hand, DeSantis has a record of winning. The Wall Street Journal, Dave Samanara, has written about this. Uh, he, of course, has done profoundly influencing things here in the state of Florida. His productivity. The Wall Street Journal says, consider some of the bills he's recently signed into law. SB 266 prohibits Florida's public universities from spending money on programs or activities that advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. HB 1069 liberates teachers and students from having to use fashionable non-standard pronouns. Uh, Just a few of the things. Florida now has universal school choice, regardless of income. The new law is HB1. Families are eligible for a credit of up to $8,000 a child, which they can use at the school of their choice. And far from erasing black history, DeSantis has signed into law HB 551, which strengthens reporting requirements to make sure schools are teaching black history. DeSantis has also signed SB 254, which outlaws permanent mutilating surgeries and experimental puberty blockers for children. HB 225 protects female athletes from having to compete against males and allows public prayers at school sporting events. HB 1438 protects children from sexually explicit adult performances in all venues, including drag shows and strip clubs. HB 1521 requires educational institutions, detention facilities, correctional institutions, 
all these with restrooms to have separate facilities available for men and women based on their biological sex. SB 1718 is Florida's new immigration law and it requires employers to e-verify. And on and on and on. Um, more and more bills. Of course, the one locally that's where everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop is uh, the GRU. But there's an enormous difference, and it's there to be tracked and to be seen and stated. We'll be back on the Ward Scott Files right a moment after we do some recognition for our sponsors and the weather. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. We're getting rain right now, so we are going to report on the weather here brought by Lewis Oil, Chevron, Fossil Fuel, patronize them, great people. 
on rain. I mean, what else is there to report on? Um, we've got Brett has now formed. Brett has now been named. We've been watching Brett with you on the weather report here on the Ward Scott Files now for several days. It has reached its 40-mile-an-hour wind speed, and it's got western movement, and it's going slowly at about 17 miles an hour, which is means it's going to build strength. Um, it is not out of the question that um, this thing will set a record, and it will become the first hurricane, which it has not yet become, of the 2023 season in the Atlantic prior to nearing the Eastern Caribbean. This is an unusual uh, formation for this time of the year to form in this part of the basin, so says this, so saith AccuWeather. Uh, it all starts with a tropical wave off the coast of Africa. I even wondered where does a tropical wave start? And one time I read in National Geographic, how does the wind become the wind? And, you know, it's heating and cooling. And all of a sudden, you've got ripples in the air, as you would have in the water. And this wind comes off the coast, over the water, and those two interact. And soon, you've got this time of the year, a westerly movement over warm water that could become, over this warm water, counterclockwise, and become a hurricane. So the mean water temperature right now is around 80 and 82 on the surface. Um, just checking this out on AccuWeather's analysis of what we're looking at. Um, so the water temperature is adequate. Uh, there's also plenty of hot air. And we know about hot air, don't we? And uh, we've got... Uh, Everything lined up to possibly make this our first hurricane uh, on a western track and could be near the eastern Caribbean late in the week. So there you are. Govern yourself accordingly. Well, well, well. I've been watching with interest something that... uh, Of course, we were talking about Newsom, and we can't talk about Newsom without talking about reparations. Um, a number of things going on that are really, I don't think this country will ever get it out of its system. Race-related. The latest of which is uh, and he never does anything without a reason, is Barack Obama attacking attacking Tim Scott. Now, the consensus of opinion among many is that when Barack Obama entered office, the hope and the promise was that being the first black president race relations would improve and political discord would decrease. And yet, eight years later, race 
rancor was worse. Obama's administration exploited race as a political weapon. So saith the analysis in the journal, and I agree. On voting rules, we found that. Criminal justice. Remember when you had the beer garden discussion? Trayvon Martin, if I had a son, exploited race as a political weapon on voting rules, criminal justice, preferences for jobs. And so now that Republican Tim Scott is throwing his hat in the ring, Obama has come out and is attacking him. And we know that Obama doesn't do anything without a reason. His latest quote is, I think there's a long history of African-American or other minority candidates within the Republican Party who will validate America and say everything's great and we can all make it. I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually, but I am maybe suggesting that the rhetoric of can't we all get along has to be undergirded with an honest accounting of our past and our present. An honest accounting of our past and our present. I've got no problem with that, except for the word honest. The accountings I've seen have been short on the honesty. By that I mean the objectivity. There is not a single person alive who can tell you what slavery was actually like at the moment of slavery. And you have to be careful about the time of it, the place of it. You can't oversimplify and sweep it all out, which is done. It's not honest. And there's an enormous difference between slavery and racism. The two are not the same. So Obama has to attack in Scott. Now, Scott has rebutted Obama's patronizing comments. And I think he's come out with a pretty good line. There's no higher compliment than to be attacked by President Obama. Tim Scott said that. And whenever the Democrats feel threatened, they pull out 
drag out, interesting word, the former president. Have him make some negative comments about someone running, hoping that their numbers will go down. So Scott is a particular threat to Obama's rhetoric. Because as Scott says, my life story symbolizes the country's racial evolution. Scott has never sugarcoated America's racist history. He says he's experienced it in his own life. But he doesn't have it, use it as an excuse. He wants minorities to go after more economic opportunity and to stop being dependent on democratic welfare programs. You know, it's just amazing, really. It's just amazing. Shelby Steele, we've got some black thinkers. I don't even think it was black. Shelby Steele wrote, reparations are no more than a dream of privilege. He says it's his 1960s. Of course, we know who this is. This is Lyndon Johnson. We blacks have been all but overwhelmed with social programs and policies that seek to um, reparate us. And he cites the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty. School busing. Free public housing. Racial preferences in college admissions. Affirmative action in employment. Increasingly generous welfare payments. And then Shelby Steele says it doesn't stop there. Now you have the new woke language. Equity. Inclusion. Intersectionality triggers affinities. And he says the all-purpose word, the catch-all phrase, is a diversity. Shelby Steele says, America has had 60 years of reparational social reform. Reform meant to uplift not only the poor, 
but especially black Americans. Shelby Steele says, I would call this an honest, by the way. The last person I think of as honest in this discussion is Obama. I would call this an honest discussion. Because Shelby Steele says, this vast array of government programs has failed. What has it created? It hasn't increased educational achievement. It has increased out-of-wedlock births, divorce rates, crime, black-on-black crime. All this government institutional attempt to uplift the so-called oppressed has failed. Because, Shelby Steele says, he thinks the liberal whites were profoundly disingenuous. The liberal whites practice moral advertising. which is a kind of an interesting term I'd never heard before that he comes up with. Moral advertising. Today, he says, all these racial preferences and so-called black African-American identity it's counterproductive because it creates a history of victimization. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the heartfelt, sincere dedication of the statue outside the courthouse uh, yesterday, I guess, that replaced old Joe. I'm sure all the people there meant well. But Shelby Steele would say this is just a monument to victimization. Making the so-called sufferers want even more privileges. Shelby Steele is a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. I would call that an honest discussion. An honest discussion. I would call this investigation I'm about to share with you Dubious. 
the Justice Department's investigation of the Minneapolis police. Came out a few days ago. And this investigation alleges alleges that racial discrimination and excessive force were unchecked in Minneapolis before George Floyd's killing because of inadequate oversight and an unwieldy process for investigating complaints. Let me just oppose this with something that is also going on in Minneapolis and see if you see anything connects. Concurrent to this investigation has been a massive decrease in the number of students who have dropped out of public schools in Minneapolis. The Minneapolis public school system has experienced a 17% decrease in student enrollment in the last five years. And the biggest reason is that there are fewer children living in Minneapolis. According to the American Community Survey, published this published in Breitbart, the number of children ages five and under living in Minneapolis fell 17% between 2020 and 2021. When it comes to children ages six to 15, the numbers fell 6.4%. Democrat-run public schools, according to the analysis done on it, is a school system designed not for 40,000 students, but for thousands and thousands of government workers that make up top-heavy faculty administration. In a Democrat-run city that thinks its police force is racially Whatever. Do you put those two together? I put those two together. I do. I put them together. When the DOJ comes out and says that policing is racially biased, People move out. They move out of the city. They move out of the public school system. I think you can keep an eye on this. I think this is going to be something to keep an eye on.
the sweeping two-year probe, according to AP, it's a term they use, coincides with the two-year decline in student enrollment. You know, behind all this, what the conversation between Obama and Tim Scott? Don't leave that out. Who are the people wanting the reparations listening to? Tim Scott or Obama? Meanwhile, if you want to look at the most violent city on earth right now, according to AP, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, black-on-black crime, violence, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Savage disorder and chaos there right now. Well, protect yourself from the weather and plan accordingly and tune in tomorrow. We should have Ted Yoho with us. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.